Welcome to Kingdom Testimonies. This is Lisa. Today is Thursday, September 16th, 2021. Hard to believe we're this far into 2021. If you thought 2020 was bad, I think 2021 was worse. But anyway, uh, let's see. We're on Second Enoch. And we're just checking it out. It's still unclear whether 2nd Enoch or even 3rd Enoch was uh, part of the original writings of Enoch. Um, but so far into 2nd Enoch, it's looking like there really isn't anything here, <clears throat> here that uh, we can discount. But let's continue. Okay, I was just out working in the yard this morning. I have to move a big pile of dirt. So, <clears throat> okay, throat's a little scratchy, as usual. Okay, so let's see, chapter 20. And those two men lifted me up thence onto the seventh heaven, and I saw there a very great light and fiery troops of great archangels, incorporeal forces and dominions, orders and governments, cherubim and seraphim, thrones and many-eyed ones, nine regiments, the lowenet stations of light, and I became afraid and began to tremble with great fear. And those men took me and led me after them and said to me, now, the wording sounds a little different than First Enoch, and that's because this is the Slavonic edition, whatever that means. It's not edited and translated by the same group. Okay. And they said to me, Have courage, Enoch, do not fear, and showed me the Lord from afar sitting on his very high throne. For what is there on the tenth heaven, since the Lord dwells there? On the tenth heaven is God. In the Hebrew tongue, he is called Aravat. And all the heavenly troops would come and stand on the ten steps, according to their rank, and would bow down to the Lord, and would go, again go to their places in joy and felicity, singing songs in the boundless light with small and tender voices, gloriously serving him. Chapter 21, and the cherubim and seraphim standing about the throne, the six-winged and many-eyed ones do not depart, standing before the Lord's face, doing his will, and cover his whole throne, singing with gentle voice before the Lord's face, Holy, 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 Lord, ruler of Sabaoth, heavens and earth are full of your glory. When I saw all these things, those men said to me, Enoch, Thus far as it commanded us to journey with you. And those men went away from me, and thereupon I saw them not. And I remained alone at the end of the seventh heaven, and became afraid, and fell on my face, and said to myself, Woe is me, what has befallen me? And the Lord sent one of his glorious ones, the archangel Gabriel. And he said to me, Have courage, Enoch, do not fear. Arise before the Lord's face into eternity. Arise, come with me. And I answered him and said in myself, My Lord, 
My soul is departed from me, from terror and trembling, and I called to the men who led me up to this place. On them I relied, and it is with them I go before the Lord's face. And Gabriel caught me up as a leaf caught up by the wind and placed me before the Lord's face. And I saw the eighth heaven, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Muzaloth, changer of the seasons, of drought, and of wet, and of the twelve constellations of the circle of the firmament, which are above the seventh heaven. And I saw the ninth heaven, which is called in Hebrew Kuchavim, where are the heavenly homes of the twelve constellations of the circle of, of the firmament. Okay, so far, that's the end of chapter 21. Um, so far, we have nothing to compare any of what this is saying to. Um, it doesn't, the names and things that are given to these heavens, um, they do not match. Well, it's not that they don't match. It's just first Enoch, he doesn't give any of that. Um, so I'm questioning where this extra information is coming from. So we will continue. Like I said, this isn't a very long book. And I'm not going to read Third Enoch. Well, I'll look at it. But I really don't think I am because that one's even more questionable. And the only reason we're reading this is because... We are hoping to get more insight into things that Enoch was shown. It's, it's not to say that I believe it or that we should believe it. It's interesting reading. It could be fantasy. It could be holy writ. We don't know. So it, as I see questionable things, I'm going to point them out. And... <clears throat> I think it would be good if we all prayed about these things because, yeah, let's just keep going. Chapter 22. On the tenth heaven, which is called Erevoth, I saw the appearance of the Lord's face, like iron made to glow in fire and brought out, emitting sparks, and it burns. Okay, I did want to mention one thing. And... I may be wrong about this, but I think it was Bob Jones that said that he was aware of the of ten levels of heaven. And also, let me grab something. Okay, I'm not sure if any of you have heard about Jane Lead from the 1600s. She was, excuse me, she was, um, they call her a mystic. And she had many, 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 many visions. And her volumes are free um, on the internet. Jane Lead. Uh, there's one gal, this Diane person, who tried to edit her writings to make them more easy to read. And I think she just gave up because eventually it just goes back to, and a lot of people questioned her editing, but that's at janelead.org. 
uh, Diane Guerrero. But <clears throat> Jane Lead describes eight worlds and there's four punishing worlds and four heavenly worlds. The heavenly worlds are the paradise, paradisical worlds, Mount Zion, New Jerusalem, and the still eternity. So um, we might look a little bit about on that stuff after we finish Second Enoch. I'm not quite sure. You know, maybe we'll look at Third Enoch. That's really short. And then maybe we'll look into this. And it's just something that is like, my belief is that the Lord gave more information than what is handed down to us as safe, in quotation marks. But I don't want to get into the fantasy, mystical, magical, you know, I don't want to get into any of that. Um, I believe we're living in a day where uh, revelation is being revealed more and more. Um, I believe this all started, well, years ago, but I think the generation started not in, not so much in 1948 when Israel became a nation. And I'm probably going to say some things here that people may not like. But Israel means those who rule as God or God's prince. When Jacob was renamed Israel, that's what it meant. Um, the people of Israel, of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, the people groups, the tribes physically was everything revealed to Yes. The Israel that we have today is where it happened. The land. Um, the temple, there's a debate about whether that is exactly where God's temple was. We know where Herod's temple was, where it's sitting. You know, there's a lot of question about since oh, around 300 AD, when, when elites started to rule the world. And things got really muddy from there. They tried to pick and choose what would be our doctrine. <clears throat> and we know that. And I'm not naming names or denominations or specific organizations. But around 300 AD... Um, rather than kill all the Christians, and these are the Jewish Christians and the Gentile converts, rather than kill them all through Peter and Paul's work and all the many, if you can't beat them, join them. So around 300 AD, a certain organization set a doctrine into motion, hid the scriptures. Remember, the scriptures were hidden for hundreds of years. Only those who were deemed, uh, okay, popes and, you know, only those in the elite had access to the scriptures. 
Everyone else was spoon-fed what they wanted them to be fed. Thank God for people like Martin Luther and Wycliffe <clears throat> and those who came around and, and decided they were going to make everything available to everyone. And then the translations began. Um, there's a translation, you know, that's, there's translations that are just old. And the Ethiopian church in Africa, it is said, tried to keep the, the scriptures as real to the original Hebrew, the old Hebrew, as they could. So this is what we're dealing with. And I've, I've heard Christians say, you can't trust the Bible at all. This is Christians saying this. You can't trust it. And it's been, you know, rewritten so many times, translated, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, it has. But doesn't God have the ability to, you know, the creator? Doesn't he have the ability to, to preserve the message in the words, the words might be edited, translated, rewritten, passed down in many, many variations. But, you know, how sovereign is God? Is he not ultimately the most sovereign of all? The most high? You know, he's able to preserve the message. He's able to preserve the mystery. He's revealed billions of mysteries, revelations, words of knowledge to people for their particular situation. And we read of those things and we try to apply it to gospel in our life. And it's like, well, no, your life isn't going exactly the same way that person's life went. But there are takeaways that you can get out of it. And that's what we're digging for. We're digging for the takeaways. So now reading through uh, Second Enoch, <clears throat> is this scripture? No. No. Um, is it beneficial? Possibly. Why has it existed? You know, for centuries. Oh, I have a yard full of quail. They are so darn cute. They're so cute. Hello, quail. Wow, there's like 10 or 15 of them. I'm sorry, I got distracted. Squirrel. Okay. Um, but anyway, so I just, we're looking for takeaways. I'm not saying this is scripture. But we are looking for takeaways. Okay. I've dwelt on that long enough. Verse 2. Chapter 22, verse 2. Thus, in a moment of eternity, I saw the Lord's face, but the Lord's face is ineffable, marvelous, and very awful, and very, very terrible. And who am I to tell of the Lord's unspeakable being and of his very wonderful face? And I cannot tell the quantity of his many instructions, the various voices. The Lord's throne is very great and not made with hands, nor the quantity of those standing round him, troops of cherubim and seraphim, nor their incessant singing, nor his immutable beauty, and who shall tell of the ineffable greatness of his glory. Okay? <clears throat> He's not saying I saw the Father's face. 
He's saying, I saw the Lord's face. I'm not trying to defend him or the translators. I'm just saying, we know that no one can see Father God's face and live. So let's continue. And I fell prone and bowed down to the Lord. And the Lord with his lips said to me, Have courage, Enoch, do not fear. Arise and stand before my face into eternity. In the archistrategy, Michael lifted me up and led me to before the Lord's face. And the Lord said to his servants, tempting them, Let Enoch stand before my face into eternity. Okay, whatever that might mean. <clears throat> that could be those that are in his um, council. Okay, let Enoch stand before my face into eternity. And the glorious ones bowed down to the Lord and said, Let Enoch go according to your word. And the Lord said to Michael, Go and take Enoch from out of his earthly garments and anoint him with my sweet ointment and put him into the garments of my glory. And Michael did thus, as the Lord told him. He anointed me and dressed me, and the appearance of that ointment is more than the great light. And his ointment is like sweet dew, and its smell mild, shining like the sun's ray. And I looked at myself, and I was like transfigured, one of his glorious ones. And the Lord summoned one of his archangels by name Praviel, whose knowledge was quicker in wisdom than the other archangels who wrote all the deeds of the Lord. And the Lord said to Praviel, Bring out the books from my storehouses and a reed of quick writing and give it to Enoch and deliver to him the choice and comforting books out of your hand. <clears throat> okay, not a whole lot there I'm questioning. Names again is, is interesting. The Lord, okay, now what's the translation of face? Is it image? No one can see the Father's image and live. You know, we, we aren't sure. We, we don't have the translations. We have to be careful not to look at this in 21st century, uh, you know what I'm saying, <clears throat> language and, and grammar and slang and that sort, that sort of thing. Okay, chapter 23. And he was telling me all the works of heaven, earth and sea, and all the elements, their passages and goings, and the thunderings of the thunders. Okay, sorry about that. I just had to um, give the quail some water. They look very thirsty. Why are they not going to get it? Okay. Uh, Let's see, he was telling me all the works of heaven. Sorry about that, I get distracted. And the thunderings of the thunders, the sun and moon, the goings and changing, changes of the stars, the seasons, years, days and hours, the risings of the wind, the numbers of the angels and the formation of their songs, and all human things, the tongue of every human song and life, the commandments, instructions and sweet voice singings and all things that it is fitting to learn. And Pravuil told me, all the things that I have told you, we have written. Sit and write all the souls of mankind, however many of them are born, and the places prepared for them to eternity. For all souls are prepared to eternity before the foundation, formation of the world. And all double thirty days and thirty nights, and I wrote out all things exactly, and wrote three hundred and sixty-six books. Chapter 24, And the Lord summoned me and said to me, Enoch, Sit down on my left with Gabriel. 
And I bowed down to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to me, Enoch, beloved, all that you see, all things that are standing finished, I tell to you, even before the very beginning, all that I created from non-being and visible physical things from invisible spiritual. Hear, Enoch, and take in these my words, for not to my angels have I told my secret, and I have not told them their rise, nor my endless realm, nor have they understood my creating, which I tell you today. For before all things were visible, I alone used to go about in the invisible things, like the sun from east to west and from west to east. But even the sun has peace in itself, while I found no peace, because I was creating all things, and I conceived the thought of placing foundations and of creating visible creation. <clears throat> I commanded in the very lowest, lowest parts that visible things should come down from invisible. And Adoel came down very great, and I beheld him, and lo, he had a belly of great light. What is this? We're on chapter 25. And I said to him, Become undone, Adoel, and let the visible come out of you. And he came undone, and a great light came out. And I was in the midst of the great light, and as there is born light from light, there came forth a, forth a great age and showed all creation, which I thought to create, and I saw it was good. What is this? No, I don't know. I don't, get, I don't get a good feeling from this. And I placed for myself a throne and took my seat on it and said to the light, Go thence up higher and fix yourself high above the throne and be a foundation of the highest things. <clears throat> huh. Above the light there's nothing else. And I bent up and looked up from my throne. And I summoned the very lowest a, sec a second time and said, Let Arcus come forth hard. And he came forth hard from the invisible. And Arcus came forth hard, heavy, and very red. And I said, Be, open be opened, Arcus, and let there be born from you. And he came undone, and age came forth, very great and very dark, bearing the creation of the lowest things. And I saw that it was good and said to him, Go thence down below and make yourself firm and be a foundation for the lower things. And it happened, and he went down and fixed himself became the foundation for the lower things, and below the darkness there is nothing else. <coughs> okay. I'm not going to say... I don't know about that. Okay. We're going to put question marks at chapter 25 and chapter 26. Test all things. Okay, chapter 27. And I commanded that there should be taken from light and darkness, and I said, Be thick, and it became thus. And I spread it out with a light, and it became water. And I spread it out over the darkness, below the light. And then I made firm the waters, that is to say, the bottomless. And I made foundation of light around the water, and created seven circles from inside, and imaged the water like crystal, wet and dry, that is to say, like glass. And the circumcession of the waters... And the other elements, and I showed each one of them its road, and the seven stars, each one of them, in its heaven, that they go thus, and I saw that it was good. Okay, now we don't know how God created the earth. We know he spoke it into being, but, okay. And I separated between light and between darkness, that is to say, in the midst of the water, hither and thither, and I said to the light that it should be the day, and to the darkness that it should be the night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. He's telling Enoch 
how he created it. Chapter 28, and then I made firm the heavenly circle and made that the lower water, which is under the heaven, under heaven, collect itself together into one whole, and that the chaos became dry, and it became so. Out of the ways I created rock, hard and big, and from the rock I piled up the dry, and the dry I called earth, and the midst of the earth I called abyss, that is to say, the bottomless. I collected the sea in one place and bound it together with a yoke, and I said to the sea, Behold, I give you your eternal limits, and you shall not break loose from your component parts. Thus I made fast the firmament. This day I called me the first created day. There's Sunday in, in brackets, but I don't think the Lord said, you know, has this been touched by, I'm going to keep that to myself. Chapter 29. And for all the heavenly troops, I imaged the image and essence of fire. And my eye looked at the very hard, firm rock. And from the gleam of my eye, the lightning received its wonderful name, which is both fire in water and water in fire. And one does not put out the other, nor does the one dry up the other. Therefore the lightning is brighter than the sun, softer than water, and firmer than hard, walk, hard rock. Interesting. And from the rock I cut off a great fire, and from the fire I created the orders of the incorporeal ten troops of angels. And their weapons are fiery, and their raiment a burning flame, and I commanded that each one should stand in his order. That, of course, sounds like the seraphim. And one from out the order of angels, having turned away from the, with the order that was under him, <clears throat> conceived an impossible thought to place his throne higher than the clouds above the earth, that he might become equal in rank to my power. And I threw him out from the height with his angels, and he was flying in the air continuously above the bottomless. Okay, we know who that is. Chapter 30. On the third day, I commanded the earth to make grow and fruitful trees and hills and seed to sow. And I planted paradise and enclosed it and placed an armed flaming angels, and thus I created renewal. Then came evening and came morning the fourth day. On the fourth day I commanded that there should be great lights on the heavenly circles. On the first uppermost circle I placed the stars, Cruno, and on the second, Aphrodite, on the third, Eris, on the fourth, and the fifth, and the f okay, we missed the fourth, and the Zeus, sixth, Hermes, seventh, lesser the moon, adorned it with lesser stars. Did he just name the Greek mythology... Is that where they get the Greek mythology, or did Greek mythology influence this? Is it possible God named those first, and the Greek, which is was taken from <clears throat> the Greek mythology, was taken from the age of the giants, which came from the Sumerians. Kind of thinking out loud here, sorry, bear with me. Did So God gave these names. Is that where they got these names? And on the lower I placed the sun for the illumination of day and the moon and stars for the illumination of night. The sun that it should go according to each constellation, 12, and I appointed the succession of the months and their names and lives, their thunderings and their hour markings, how they should succeed. 
Then evening came, and morning came the fifth day. On the fifth day I commanded the sea that it should bring forth fishes and feathered birds of many varieties, and all animals creeping over the earth, going forth over the earth on four legs, and soaring in the air, male, sex, and female, and every soul, breathing the spirit of life. And there came evening, and there came morning the sixth day. On the sixth day I commanded my wisdom to create man from seven consistencies. One, his flesh from the earth. Two, his blood from the dew. Three, his eyes from the sun. Four, his bones from stone. Five, his intelligence from the swiftness of the angels and from cloud. Six, his veins and hair from the grass of the earth. Seven, his soul from my breath and from the wind. That's interesting. And I gave him, gave him seven natures, to the flesh hearing, the eyes for sight, to the soul smell, the veins for touch, the blood for taste, the bones for endurance, to the intelligence sweetness. I conceived a cunning saying to say, I created man from invisible and from visible, meaning spiritual and physical nature. Of both are his death and life and image. He knows speech like some created thing small in greatness and again great in smallness. And I placed him on earth, a second angel, honorable, great, and glorious, and I appointed him as ruler to rule on earth and to have my wisdom, and there was none like him of earth of all my existing creatures. And I appointed him a name from the four component parts, from east, from west, from south, from north, and I appointed for him four special stars, and I called his name Adam and showed him the two ways, the light and the darkness. And I told him, this is good and that bad, that I should learn whether he has love towards me or hatred, that it be clear which in his race, <clears throat> which in his race love me. For I have seen his nature, but he has not seen his own nature. Therefore, not seeing he will sin worse. And I said, after sin... What is there but death? And I put sleep into him, and he fell asleep, and I took from him a rib and created him a wife, that death should come to him by his wife. And I took his last word and called her name mother, that is to say Eva, or Eve. <clears throat> okay, death coming to him through his wife would mean he'd have to leave the glorious state, existence, of Eden where they had eternal life okay <clears throat> okay chapter 31 okay Adam has life on earth and I created a garden in Eden in the east that he should observe the testament and keep the command I made the heavens open to him that he should see the angels singing the song of victory in the gloomless light and he was continuously in paradise, and the devil understood that I wanted to create another world, because Adam was lord on it to rule, lord on earth to rule and control it. The devil is the evil spirit of the lower places. As a fugitive, he made Sotona from the heavens, as his name was Satanel, Satan. Thus he became different from the angels, but his nature did not change, his intelligence as far as his understanding of righteous and sinful things. And he understood his condemnation and the sin which he had sinned before. Therefore he conceived thought against Adam. In such form he entered and seduced Eva, but did not touch Adam. But I cursed ignorance, but what I had blessed previously, those I did not curse. I cursed not man, 
nor the earth, nor the creatures, but man's evil fruit and his works. I said to him, Earth you are, and into earth whence I took you, you shall go, and I will not ruin you, but send you whence I took you. Then I can again receive you at my second presence. And I blessed all my creatures, visible and invisible, and Adam was five and a half hours in paradise. And I blessed the Sabbath day, which is the Sabbath, on which he rested from all his works. All right. We're going to stop there. We made it to the end of chapter 32. Let me mark that. Um, so there we go. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm really curious about this. I haven't seen anything yet that makes me slam the book shut. So we're going to continue. Um, if you don't have a good feeling about this, by all means, don't listen to it. You know, you can skip ahead to the next, to the next ones or whatever. Um, I mean, I don't want to chase anybody away, but we need to learn how to discern. You know, it's like people saying, I don't understand the Bible, so I'm not going to read it because I might, I might read it wrong. No, you might be afraid you're going to find something that convicts you. Um, but that's not what I'm doing here. You know, this channel podcast is not going to stray from the Bible. I still read the Bible every single day. If sometimes it's tiny bits, sometimes it's big bits. And I pray every day that the Lord will open my eyes and give me wisdom and revelation of him. I don't want to lead anybody astray. And if it starts to feel to me, I have to go by my faith. If it starts to feel to me like this is going down a questionable path, I'm going to stop. So if you're looking through the, um, the list of podcasts and you see that all of a sudden it's stopped short at whatever. You hear that? That's Quail. He's so cute. It stops short at, you know, six minutes one day or, you know, whatever, 10 minutes or 17 minutes or whatever. People put so many oh, meanings on numbers. Okay, let's just say that I just stopped at seven minutes one day. And that's always a safe number. And <clears throat> and said on the description, we're not going to finish Enoch, second Enoch. Uh, you'll know why. I'll probably put it in the description. Um, I'm going to go keep going, though. We're almost halfway through. So it's short. And... Um, you know, the the Slavonic, I'm not quite sure where that comes from. Okay, I found it in Wikipedia. The second book of Enoch, known as the Slavonic Enoch, is a pseudopigraphic text in the apocalyptic genre. 
describes the ascent of the patriarch Enoch, ancestor of Noah, through the ten heavens. Um, the cosmology of second Enoch corresponds closely with the beliefs of the early Middle Ages about the metaphysical structure of the universe. It may have been influential in shaping them. The text was lost for several centuries, then recovered and published at the end of the 19th century. The full text is extant only in Church Slavonic, um, translated from earlier Greek version. Some scholars attribute Second Enoch to an unidentified Jewish sect, while others regard it as the work of first century Christians. Some consider it a later Christian work. Not included in the canon. It is distinct from the first book of Enoch. <clears throat> um, the manuscript tra tradition, it has survived in more than 20 old Bulgarian manuscripts and fragments, dated from the 14th to the 18th centuries AD. Okay. Um, Second Enoch exists in longer and shorter recensions. Okay. Uh, let's see. Most scholars believe the old Bulgarian version was translated from Greek versions. The date, dates ranging from the first century BCE, before Christ, before Christ eternal. <laughs> That's what I call BCE, sorry. To the 10th century Christ eternal have been proposed with the late 1st century CE often preferred. The date of the text can be deduced solely on the basis of internal evidence since the book has survived only in the medieval manuscripts. Um, <clears throat> Second Enoch's composition must be later than that of the Book of the Watchers in 1st Enoch around the 3rd century BCE. Crucial arguments for the early dating of the text have very largely been linked to the themes of the temple in Jerusalem. Okay. The text, um, ongoing practice of pilgrimage. Okay, so that's where we get Second Enoch. I'm going to keep going because it's been around possibly since the third century BC, before Christ. <clears throat> Why did they ever change that? Let's see, A.D. was Addo Domini. Uh, C.E., I don't know what C.E. is. I'm calling it Christ Eternal. That's what I'm doing. All right, so we're going to leave it there. We'll pick up with chapter 33 tomorrow in Second Enoch, the Slavonic Enoch. And I pray you have a blessed day.